You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Greetings, everyone, especially to those of you who are visiting with us today. We're glad to have you here at the river. This church is an amazing church family. If you're not used to being loved and uncomfortable with love, you're probably not going to have a great time here until you get used to it because these people are a bunch of lovers. And we let the love of God freely flow through us because we found out that you don't have to be perfect to be loved. And uh, we weren't perfect when God loved us, so we're not going to demand you to be perfect for us to love you. But we are going to ask you to hear the word and let the Holy Spirit do the change that he needs to change in your life. Because nobody goes to church, I hope, and doesn't expect some kind of change. If 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 you're part of a church that doesn't change you, you need to look for a new church. Because the church is supposed to be changing us from glory to glory and helping in the effort of the Holy Ghost to bring about this wonderful transformation in our minds, our wills, our emotions, everything that is our soul. Because when you get born again, that means something supernatural happens on the inside in your spirit, man. You become a brand new creature. And God starts with perfection there. And then you work that perfection out as you move through your life. That's a good word right there. I want to tell you today that Jesus has a plan for the church. And we're going to look at what Jesus' plan for the church is. Uh, Men have always had plans for God's church. Men have always had plans for the church. And uh, sometimes their plans are stupid. You just look at the condition of the church, how how divided it it all is, how many sectarian uh, groups there are within the church. This is not God's doing. That there's, that there's all these denominational uh, barriers between believers. That God never had anything to do with that. God has only one church that He's interested in, in, uh, in being in the earth, and He has a plan. Jesus has a five-point plan for that church that He laid out to Paul the first time He spoke to him. Are you hearing me? Amen. He has a five-point plan that He had. Five, po- five points, not ten points, five points. Uh, uh, he's got a grace plan for the church. Glory to God. People have, and he calls the church his bride, and people have plans for other people. Like men have plans for the church. Heard about Bubba and Cooter out fishing. Y'all know Bubba and Cooter? They used to be members here. Bubba and Cooter were out fishing. And this. And the uh, conversation turned a little philosophical, contemplative, and it fell silent. And Cooter said, what? Pawpaw? Oh, different Pawpaw. Okay, I thought he was talking. That's what my babies call me. Uh, and the, the, the conversation became philosophical, and, and Cooter says, Bubba, I'm going to divorce my wife. Bubba said, why? He said, well, she hadn't talked to me in a month and a half. 
Real slow like, Bubba says, you need to think that over. A woman like that's hard to find. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's bad. Men make plans for their brides. Men make plans for those closest to them. Jesus has a plan for you that is not about putting you away, but about your perfection. Amen. Acts chapter 26, let's turn there and read. Acts 26 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul is retelling his story for the third time. The first time it, it's in chapter 9, when, it actually, when the event took place. He retells it in chapter 22, and now he's retelling it in front of King Agrippa in Caesarea. And we were, we were all fallen to the earth. I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Verse 16, But arise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Verse 17, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. And here's his Jesus' plan for the Gentile church. Verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Father dear, we pray today for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ upon this audience today. Let your word fall into good soil as seeds into good land. And let this powerful word transform the hearers today. And I believe you for that. To make those that are already in the, in the kingdom better citizens of the kingdom. And those that are on the outside to come in, to come into God's family. Amen. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus has a plan for the church. A five-point plan, a grace plan. Number one, revelation. He says, open their eyes. Number two, revolution. That's turned them from darkness to light. That's a great revolution, if you know what I mean. Number three, restoration. Turn them from the power of Satan to God. Number four, reconciliation. That they may receive forgiveness. And number five, remuneration. That is, payback, or what he called inheritance. Let's look at this first thing. He says, going to open their eyes. Jesus' plan for you and for the church is to have open eyes, have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Miss Ann prays this prayer all the time. A spirit of wisdom and re revelation. I travel a lot in ministry, preaching to lots of churches, and I have thousands of students that come to my Bible college where I teach. And I can always tell those that have the revelation on them, the spirit of wisdom and revelation on them, and those who don't have a clue. 
Those who prayed this prayer and had this prayer prayed over them. They, they have this in them. This church, like very few churches I've ever been around, has a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You understand the Word. You hear the Word. You, you don't fight the Word. You love the Word. Yeah. We want you to be a part of this church today. But we want you to understand that we love the Word of God. Yeah. We love the Word of God here. Because of the revelation that's in this opening of their eyes. Uh, I raised goats one time. Now goats don't have middle ground in the way you feel about them. You either love them or hate them. I loved them. My wife hated them. But they were a necessary evil in our lives. I loved them because I'd had goats as a kid. Uh, Miss Ann hated them because they were messy and cantankerous and climbed on things and would eat anything and everything. They were really a nuisance, but, but I had to have them because I had a little farm in Collin County, Texas, a little seven-acre ranchette. It wasn't really a farm, just a little. They called them ranchettes. Up here in Oklahoma, seven acres won't, won't make a good yard, I know. <laughs> but I didn't want to pay heavy taxes, so I got some goats to raise so I could fall under the agricultural uh, tax bracket. You understand that? Yep. I was raising goats, and I, and I didn't have to pay such high taxes because I had these stupid little goats. <laughs> and they were always afraid of me. They were always, they never, they never grew accustomed to me, although I did my very best to try to make them tame and love on them and pet them. They, they wouldn't have it unless I tied them down, unless I grabbed one of them, you know. And they were always running from me, always just scared little goats. And I, I thought, well, you stupid thing. I bring you food. I water you. I, I doctor you when you, they rarely ever get sick if you know anything about goats, but... But I made sure they had salt and protein and everything. Goats. They had no idea how much I needed them. They were terrified of me, and they had no idea how much I needed them in my life. What benefit? They have no, no, no concept of the benefit that someone as powerful as me and able to kill them at any moment. That's all they knew. I, I had the ability to take away their life. That's all they knew. Even though I was feeding them, they, were, they, they said, why is he feeding us? <laughs> He's probably going to kill us and eat us. Let's eat anyway. Because we have they had no idea. This is the picture of most of the religious world. Terrified of God, and they go to church they, knowing, oh God, oh God. They have, we have no idea how much God loves you, right. how much He needs you in His life. I needed them goats. I didn't even like the goats. But I needed them because they served me without even knowing it. Your performance is not really what God's looking for. Your presence is what He's looking for. Wow. He just wants you there. Amen. 
Revelation. I was in a, a church in McKinney, Texas one time, preaching the gospel. We lived in McKinney for quite some years. And we closed the service because we had to, we had to kind of close it down and let, let, the, let them go. because It was Halloween. Now, I don't know how you feel about Halloween, but I don't have any problems with it. I love candy. <laughs> if you don't like candy, you're going to have problems with Halloween. And you're probably going to make up religious language why you don't like it. But there's nothing in the Bible says you shouldn't celebrate Halloween. Nothing in the Bible says you shouldn't. However, however, the glorification of witches is not a good idea. How many of you know this? The glorification of satanic things is not a good idea. But that's not really how the, how the, the, uh, the holiday started. Do a little research, you find out it really didn't start with glor- the glorification of the devil. That's not how it started. Uh, but like it or leave it, we always had a, a party to keep our kids off the streets during Halloween. Bring them in. We call it Harvest Festival. We, we sometimes call it Reformation Day because you may not know this, but in 1517, on October the 31st, an angry German monk wrote a 95-point sermon and nailed it to the Wittenberg Castle Church door in Wittenberg, Germany. Amen. That sparked something called the Reformation that is still in process today, 500 years later. Woo. Wow, glory to God. Glory to God. So, you know, there's a, there's a reason to acknowledge that October the 31st date. Anyway, our children were next door in the building next door, and my daughter was running the children's program at the time. And she said, Dad, you've got to turn the people loose early. So I was hurrying to turn the people loose early so they could go over and celebrate with the children next door. You know, how they had lots of games and stuff. You know what harvest festivals are like. And I was standing there getting ready to raise my Father, I pray you bless them and they're going out like you. What? Hang on, folks, I heard something. It was strange for me because I was, in a, I was on a roll. <laughs> I was finished. I was done. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, pain. Pain? Oh, I don't have any pain. <laughs> Somebody does. Well, who is it? I didn't know. He, he knew, but he didn't tell me. He said, pain. I said, hang on a minute. How many of you right now are in pain? And 50 hands went up. Several hundred people there, but, but 50 hands went up. I said, well, come down here real quick. I'm going to pray for you. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> I know God's interrupted me, but I'm going to make it fast, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it came down, lined up across the front. I began to pray for people for their pain. That they were having, I said, if you're in pain right now, and I prayed for them and prayed for them. In that line was a little girl, about a 19-year-old girl, that I didn't even know she'd come from one of our other churches. And th- that church was there that evening with us. We had multiple congregations in that church. And one of those, that congregation from Little Elm was there with us. And, and I told her, I'd called her pastor up, and he said, you go with me. And so she came up and stood in line, he came around to pray for the people with me. And I laid my hands on her and prayed for her. Her name was Rachel. And Rachel, I didn't know anything about her, didn't know anything. I just went on and prayed for other people. A few days later, I get a call from her pastor 
Troy Hendrickson, and he said, Pastor John, you got a story. You sitting down, you got to hear this story. I said, okay. He said, the other night when you got that word on pain, I had a girl there named Rachel. I said, I, I don't remember her. I didn't remember anything about her. I, he, he had to tell me all this later. And he, he said, she was scheduled the next day. That was a Sunday evening, I think. He said, she was scheduled the next day to go to have surgery because she had had records done and x-rays and everything and found a piece of her spinal column was out of place and was causing her extreme pain. She had had a motorcycle accident or some, some kind of motor vehicle accident and had messed up her spine. She was still able to walk, but she was in grave pain all the time. She went and uh, got, got there, and her doctor was out of town, had been called away on some extreme family emergency, and so they had assigned another doctor to her case. And he starts looking, at, looking for her paperwork and can't find it anywhere. He calls the other doctor. He still can't locate her paperwork. He, and he said to her, we're going to have to redo all of your x-rays. We're going to have to redo all of your MRIs. We're going to have to redo everything because I don't have this. We're going to have to reschedule this surgery for Wednesday. You know what happened? They retook all her x-rays, MRI, did the whole nine yards. They called her in on Tuesday for consultation. And the doctors put that up there. And he said, can you, did, you, did your doctor show you the x-rays? She said, yeah. Do you remember where the problem was? She said, well, it was right there. He said, I don't see anything wrong with your back. She said, well, there was. They were scheduling me for surgery. She, he said, I know all that. I know what your doctor told me. But I can't find any of that. Are you in pain now? She said, no, I haven't been in pain since Sunday night. He said, did anything happen Sunday night? He said, she said, well, yeah, I was at church and they prayed for me. And you hadn't had any pain since then? No, I hadn't had any pain since then. He canceled her surgery and said, go on your way, little girl. You're healed. Amen. 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 Revelation is designed to change your life for the better. Amen. The spirit of wisdom and revelation comes upon you, not to make you shout, and it might do that, but it's to help you in your life, things to be better. Somebody rope, rope that kid. Throw a rope around him. Ah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Your mama, your mama's looking for you. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's from chasing goats. It's what it is. It's <laughs> Revelation is about your future. God's not interested in revealing all about your past to blow you up in front of people. That may come out from time to time, but it's always to help you in your future. You've got to keep looking down the road. Every time something good happens to you, it's for God. It's God planning for your future. Even when something bad happens, 
Remember, God's going to come on the scene to help your future be better. He's not interested in grinding your face in in things that you do wrong. He's only interested in changing what went wrong to make you better for your future. Uh, I'm always struck by that when I drive through a town down in in the uh, Metroplex called Louisville. Anybody ever been to Louisville, Texas? Great big city. Great big town. City sprawls out everywhere. You can't tell the difference between Louisville and Dallas 20 miles away or 15 miles away. It's just town, big town everywhere. You drive through there, and on the water tower it says Louisville Farmers. Farmers? Farmers live here? They used to, but their future did not follow what they planned. Their future was something different than their past. When God talks about you today, He's not calling you one thing today that's not going to work out for you later on down the road. He calls you blessed today because He plans on that blessing to be a blessing for you in the years to come. For your life to be enriched. That's what the revelation of grace is all about. So that you can know that your eternity is sealed, not as if, or if, ands, or buts, whether you might make heaven your home, but that you have made heaven your home because there's something called grace at work in your life. Not, not, yeah, that's good. Glory. Ooh, glory to God. Get a revelation of the grace of God, and you won't be wondering about heaven anymore. Amen. Romans chapter 16, verse 25, what Paul believed. Could you read that, Miss Ann? You have a microphone there where you could read Romans 16, 25, and 26. Romans 15, 16, 25, and 26. What Paul believed. Romans 16, 25, and 26. There we go. Amen. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, that now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience the obedience of faith. But the revelation is about obeying the gospel from the heart. Now, not obeying in the sense of doing stuff, but the, the word obey there, and you, you need to hear me. Virtually every time he talks about obeying the gospel, every time I found, he uses the Greek word hupakuo. It's spelled H-U-P-A-K-U-O. That's how you transliterate it so you can pronounce it in English. Hupakuo, and it does not mean to obey. It means to listen. It means to heed. And the only obedience there is to the gospel is to believe the gospel. Amen. To hear it and believe it. That's the obedience to the gospel. Men make it about a whole bunch of other things. Living right and getting baptized and all that. They, they make it all about all kinds of things. But the hupakua word really means to hear. To hear. Galatians 1.12. Read that, Miss Ann. Galatians 1.12. We, we saw what Paul believed. Now we're going to see what Paul received. For I neither received it of man, 
neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hmm. He received the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, about, by, by saying it like that, he's saying, I did not get this from Peter, James, and John. Which he's trying to tell us that what they preached was something different from what he preached. This may be news to you, but Paul had a revelation of the grace of God that Peter, James, and John did not have. They were, they were commissioned to preach to the Jews only. And Paul was commissioned to preach to the rest of us. Jesus had a message for the world that he reserved until Paul came along. Glory to God. That'll make your confusion about the Bible go away right there. That little thought right there will help you understand what the entire Bible is about. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, read that. We're going to see how Paul prayed. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of and the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Amen. It's a powerful thought that revelation that God will reveal hidden secrets to somebody who wants to know them. If you show any level of desire in faith to know what God holds in secret, He can't help Himself. The reason why I don't believe that anybody is ever going to figure out when Jesus is coming back is because, I've told you this before, is because Jesus doesn't know. He never acted like He knew when it was going to happen. He said the Father has reserved that knowledge for Himself. I believe if the Father told Jesus, He would tell us. Now secondly, look at the revolution. To turn them from darkness to light. The revolution. Turn them from darkness to light. Jesus said, Paul, I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to go turn people from darkness to light. That's a total revolution. Total revolution. Darkness to light. In fact, the whole world is revolving. There's a revolution going on every 24 hours. Darkness to light. Darkness to light. Darkness to light. That's the, that's the, 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 uh, the picture Paul is draw, Jesus is drawing Paul here. That what you have known in the past, Paul, and what the Gentiles have known in the past, is going to be like darkness. And what you're about to bring them is light. The New, New Testament is not a, uh, an enhanced version of the law. The New Testament is as different from the law as darkness and light. Di as different from the, the law of God as darkness is from light. He said, I'm going to give you a message. Nigel Robinson was a boy I met whose mom was a drug user and spent a lot of time in prison. His dad was a drug user and a drug dealer who also spent a lot of time in prison, a couple of different stints in prison. But he had a grandmother who on the day he was born, Nigel was born, to his drug-addicted mama, 
His grandmother saw him and went in and picked him up and held him up to God and said, I dedicate this boy to you, Jesus, for the gospel. He is yours, and I dedicate him to you for the gospel. Now, the family wasn't involved in that. His parents weren't involved in that. But his grandmother knew the Lord, and she dedicated Nigel to Jesus. He was raised in a terrible environment with his mom in and out of jail, dad in and out of prison. It was ugly, terrible things that this boy saw, things he had to experience all through his growing up years. But he never could shake when he was with his grandmother. She'd always take him to church, and she would tell him, Boy, I dedicated you to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not like your mama, and you're not like your daddy. Amen. You're not like your parents. You're like Jesus. You're like me. You, you're going to be different. Nothing in, his, no, nothing in his surroundings, nothing in his circumstances said that it was true. But his grandmother's words were out there about him. Amen. They were out there about him. I'm here to tell you today that eight years ago, Nigel Robinson graduated from Christ for the Nations. Amen. One of my students went off preaching the gospel, became a youth pastor. Amen. So it's the will of God for you to have this revolution. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you've experienced in the past. There's a great big God who knows you just like you are and loves you just the same. It's amazing how conditional all love is on this planet. I thought I knew what unconditional love was when I became a parent. But when I became a grandparent, I realized I didn't know anything about unconditional love. As a parent, it seemed like all my love was conditional. I said I loved them, but I felt like I could kill them. You know what I mean. I walk into restaurants now. There'd be a young couple there with a fussy baby. Ah! And the kid's up disrupting the whole restaurant. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. And I sometimes walk over to them. If they, if they seem like they're not in too much anxiety. Walk over to them. I say, I know you don't know how to stop this. I know you haven't got a clue. Because I was just like you. I had three children. And I didn't have a clue how to make this stop. Seemed like everything I did just made it worse. And they said, that's right. <laughs> but as a grandparent, I know how to make this stop. Yeah, how, how's that? Simply give the child what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, yeah, that's always a grandparent's answer. That's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Unconditional love is not like parent parental love, it's more like grandparent love. Amen. <laughs> Restoration is the third thing. He uses this phrase turn them from the power of Satan to God. Turn them from the power of Satan to God. What is the power of Satan? Anybody know? The power of Satan today has all been stripped by Jesus. But he does have one thing. Lies. He had this power in heaven. He deceived a third of the angels to follow him. And they all got expelled. His power is lies. And let me say to you, young men, young women, hear me. 
you're not strong enough to beat him with your own mental faculties. You are not that strong. Your, your parents weren't that strong. Your grandparents weren't that strong. Your parents all the way back to Noah and all the way back to Adam were not strong enough to defeat him mentally because he's had so much experience. He is so much smarter than you are. I'm just telling you. But he does not have access to what you have access to. You don't have to be smarter than him to beat him. All you've got to be willing to do is do what Jesus did. When Jesus walked this earth, he did not come here as God, although he was God. He did not come here to perform as God. He came here to perform as a regenerated man to show us what having the Holy Spirit in your life all time, full time was like. He lived the perfect example of a life. And when he went out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he did not go out there and wiggle his nose or flash of lightning or anything like that. He went out there and did one thing that you have access to and used the only thing that, you, you, that, 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 uh, that he could use to show you how to live. And he used the word of God. He simply quoted the Bible every time the, te- the devil tempted him. He just quoted what God said. Amen. Yeah. Just said what God said. You have the same Bible that Jesus quoted from, praise God. You can quote what God says to fight the... Now, let me tell you something about that, that temptation in Matthew chapter 4. This was no mere demon that came out to talk to Jesus. This is Mr. Big Daddy Devil himself that shows up at Jesus' place, shows up again to fight Jesus. I call him Big Daddy because that's what Jesus called him, the father of all lies. Mr. Big Daddy Devil, Daddy of all lies... Is out there with Jesus. That's probably not the one that comes to your place. I know you think you're important, but you're not quite that important. <laughs> Mr. Big Daddy Devil probably never shows up at your place, but other demons do. And they carry the same lies that that one carried to Jesus. Lie, 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 lie. And the first one wasn't what is normally thought to be the first one. Curtis Coker taught me this. The first temptation was really, if you be the Son of God. If you be the Son of God, that's the first temptation. That's a really powerful thought. The first thing the devil always says to you, if you were any kind of Christian, you... Doesn't he challenge your Christianity? Doesn't he challenge your sonship? Every time. Almost every time. Man, I don't see how you think you're going to heaven doing acting like that. Well, I'm not going to heaven because of the way I act. I never said I was. I said, I'm going to heaven by the way Jesus acted. Glory to God. Everybody gets there, you're going to get there the same way, by the grace of God. But Satan has powerful lies. But the power of God is the gospel, which is the truth. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. So the antithesis to the blinded minds of the lies, that, the, the blinded minds that come from the lies of the devil, the antithesis, antithesis, I said it once, didn't I? The antithesis to that is the gospel of Christ, which is the truth. I'm thinking about Restoration. I began looking for an Old Testament example of restoration. An Old Testament example of restoration is found in a guy named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. M-E-P-H-I-B-O-S-H-E-T-H. Mephibosheth. 
Mephibosheth was a crippled son of Jonathan. He was crippled as a five-year-old boy. You read the story in 2 Samuel chapter 4, but we won't turn there right now to read it, but you can do that. 2 Samuel chapter 4. Lame from five years old. His, his nursemaid dropped him. 2 Samuel chapter 5 says something interesting, that David hates the lame. His soul loathed lame people, 2 Samuel chapter 5. And then he hears that Jonathan has one son alive. Jonathan, his best friend. And he's lame. Uh, and David loathes lame people. His soul hates being around lame people. But here's Jonathan, his covenant friend's son who is lame. What's he going to do? 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let's turn there real quick like. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 6. I have it here. I'll read it. 2 Samuel 9 6 says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you doing this for, for Mephibosheth? He's lame. You hate lame people. <laughs> God hates sin. God will not let sin into heaven. You hear the preacher say that kind of thing all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But he's not going to restore to me because of my ability to walk. He's going to restore to me because of my elder brother's walk. Somebody else has benefited for me on my behalf long before I was worthy of any kind of goodness. He bowed himself and said, what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto my master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and you shall bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, my master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Ooh, yeah. Not only does he get forgiven, not only does he get Acceptance, he gets acceptance in the highest order at the king's table. Listen to me. There's no such thing in the kingdom of heaven and the family of God as adoptees and second-class citizens. There are only those that God considers his very own. And you are welcome at the king's table any time, any day, and you say when you show up. Amen. You say when you show up. God's door is always open up to you. Because full restoration has come to mankind. Amen. Amen. Full restoration has come to mankind. Mephibosheth, my master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. And fourth, reconciliation. Can, we, can you stand a little bit more? I'm almost done. Reconciliation. It means to receive forgiveness. Lombano. Receive. It also means to take. Lombano. 
If it is there for the taking, then it is already laid out, provided. God reconciled himself to man when he reconciled himself to Jesus. Your faith in Christ hides you in Christ, so God sees Christ's record when he looks at your, at your ledger. When he looks at your ledger, he's reading Christ's record. That's a good thing right there. This is a, this is a finished work gospel, not a hope-so work gospel. It's a faith gospel, not a... Uh, Frank said something interesting to me today. He said, it's not always about what you believe in. Believing meaning, from that point of view, meaning what you think is true. Instead of what you faith is true from the heart. We use believe two different ways. We use it, uh, well, I think so, I believe. And we mean, we're meaning, you know, somebody says, who, 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 who's your team? Shout out, who, who you want to win today? Panthers. The Panthers. Uh, uh, she was born in North Carolina. She's born in North Carolina, that's why she says that. That's right. All right, now listen to me. Now listen to me. Plus, they got a better quarterback, you, you know. I mean. She, she says that. She says that. Forgot, forgot what I was saying. <laughs> do you, do you, uh, you, you think they're going to win? Yes. You believe it? Yep. Is this faith talking or just what you're hoping to happen? That's faith talking. That's faith talking. <laughs> I picked the wrong person. <laughs> She's always in faith. But you can ask somebody, do you think your team's going to win? And they say, well, I believe they are. And what they're really saying is they don't really believe it. They, they just, they're hoping for it. That's what I think. I think. I believe. But we use the word in English wrong. That word never exists like that in the Bible. Believing in the Bible was faith in the heart. Faith in the heart. Too many people believe from the head and don't know from, like, have any of you ever been in a youth group or school, school uh, party or something where they played musical chairs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that big old football player in that circle and how he dove into that little metal chair and all four legs went splat? <laughs> I saw it. 300 pounds of muscle and bone. <laughs> Poor little chair. You saw it. Have any of you ever had the chair collapse on you? Let me say, I had it happen to me one time. I don't think I was, it was my problem. I think the chair was messed up. <laughs> it could have been me. If you've had a chair collapse on you, let me ask you a solemn question. How many of you walked in here today thinking, oh my gosh, chairs. Oh, <laughs> I had a chair collapse on me one time. Oh, chairs. Did it ever cross your mind that this chair might collapse? It didn't cross your mind, did it? Even if you've had it happen a couple of different times, it didn't cross your mind. See, the devil's plan is to get you hurt in a church wow. and make you think that every church is like that. Wow. Woo, good, good word. Good word, Pastor. That's good. That, was, that was better than your shouting. That was really good. <laughs> get you to carry your pain from another, another place or into a, another relationship. People in this country are getting divorced in, in high numbers. And the divorce is a terrible, sad thing. It hurts, yeah. it hurts, it hurts. Whether you're in the wrong or in the right, it's still very painful. Yeah. 
Very painful. It's a painful thing. And what, what hurts is when you get remarried, you often carry the pains from that last thing into this thing. I'm not going to have you talking to me like that. You can't talk to me like that. Because you got something built up from some... This one didn't mean it the way that other one meant it. Chairs collapse, but not every chair collapses. See, you get, to, you get to believing things that are not really faith things. You get to believing things from pain and, and fear and all that. Yes. Amen. Amen. But God had a guy named Abraham that he really liked. <laughs> Called him his friend. And the Bible says that Abraham got his righteousness not by how he performed, about what he believed. God preached the gospel of Christ to him. And the Bible says God counted his faith as righteousness. And Paul declares that we are the children of Abraham, which doesn't mean that we were born of him biologically. What it means is we got into this thing the same way he did. We simply believed on the Lord Jesus, believed on the Son of God, for our righteousness, and for our righteousness, we believed, and God called it righteousness. That's amazing to me. That God can call one thing something else, and that something else becomes that one thing. He calls you, he sees your faith and says, you're righteous. Yeah, but I didn't do anything righteous. I know. But faith is so much higher than righteousness. You've got to hear me. Faith is so much higher than righteousness. If you get into faith, you're righteous. Yeah. Nothing like this message. That's how grace can. That's how it can work by grace. That's how you call, why we call it grace. The last thing is remuneration. That's that's an inheritance. That's a payback. R e m u n e r a t i o. Not remuneration, as I've heard it pronounced. It's remune. It means money. Remune payback. Remuneration. God was not going to let Israel leave Egypt broke. He said, you go to them and you lie to them and you tell them, these scoundrels who enslaved you for 400 years, you go tell them that you only want to borrow their silver and gold and I'm going to let you spoil the Egyptians in, a, in an act of war, an act of espionage. Spoil the Egyptians. I'm not going to let you leave here broke. They made you slaves. Here's the way I'm going to pay you back. Glory to God. God is always about payback. And I believe some of you here today have suffered some losses. But God wants to pay you back. He wants to pay back. The brokenness that you've had can go away today in Jesus' name. As your reconciliation is fully in force, your revolution is underway, remuneration, your payback is on its way. Praise God. God loves you just like you are. I want you to bow your heads if you would with me just for a few moments. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your love and life. We thank you, Father, for how strong you have shown yourself to us in taking away the sins of the whole world and giving us the kind of life that changes everything. Not some things, but it's a revolution from darkness to light. I thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you for the power of the Word of God that breaks every yoke. Every heavy burden is lifted 
through the power of the anointing. And we believe you for that today for these. With your heads bowed now, let me ask you a question. If you are here today and you say, I heard the message that Christ died for my sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. I heard this message clearly, but I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I've never accepted that love that he, made, that he gave for me. I've never really believed on him for me, but I want to today. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you over there. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to give you just a minute. If that's you, raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. I need to, I need to know Jesus. I need to make, make a decision today and make it final. Because life will come into you. Life, the life of Almighty God will come into you and transform you from the inside out. And you will never be the same.